Are you interested in learning more about how to start your Salesforce career? Be sure to register for our next live webinar showing you exactly how the Salesforce Career Development Program works, our latest statistics, and up-to-date information about what's going on in the Salesforce ecosystem. To register now, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash live. That's talentstacker.com forward slash L-I-V-E. We look forward to seeing you on the next live webinar. There isn't a Salesforce fairy that like knights you. <laughs> they do come by, but we don't see them. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the Salesforce, Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's show, our guest outlines the journey it takes to break straight into a Salesforce developer role. And it's like, how do you even start? Like, why is that semicolon in there kind of thing? Also, we talk about the major perks of being a code savvy admin. You're just like a joy to work with because we can speak the same language because of that skill set that you have. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're actually going to be talking about Salesforce developers and how to get into Salesforce developer roles or even for seasoned professionals, how to transition from maybe an admin or a business analyst into Salesforce developer positions. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this episode. We've got a lot to unpack. And as always with me today is Anita Smith. How's it going, Anita? Hey, it's going pretty well. So if anyone's been following along, I've been working on this fixer upper. And for the past year or so, I've been terrified of the fireplace because we never lit it. And I just didn't know what was living in there. So I finally lit it up throughout the day. Like I, I'm working. I, I have a full time job. I'm like working on my computer. There are like random wasps coming from the fireplace. And I'm just like killing wasps all day. Um but no spiders, thank goodness. So that's great. <laughs> and non-aggressive wasps. So it's been fine. It's fine. It's fine. It should be fine. How's it going for you? <laughs> it sounds like things are going better for me. Uh, I do not have wasps in my fireplace right now. That sounds kind of... I, I don't have a solution for your problem. Um, <laughs> did you fix this issue? And how? No, I mean, I, I just kill them till they're... I mean, I sprayed some wasp spray, but like, I don't know... Like, I would have to rip the chimney apart. Yeah, don't do that. With the fire and hopefully that kills them. Yeah, just light a fire for like days and days. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. That works. We... Uh, Similar-ish story. We had wasps in our... I guess the vent above the oven. So I guess there's like a vent that goes out of the roof of the house. And I guess wasps had come down that way. We could hear them, but they never got into the house. So uh, yeah. yeah, that was kind of scary. But anyway... All right. Well, I guess we could talk less about like insects and maybe more about Salesforce developer jobs if we want to, maybe. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> so today we have a very special guest. He is a Salesforce MVP developer, 18X certified, has spoken at many dreaming events. Welcome, Warren Walters. Hey, hey, everybody. Warren Walters here. So if you don't know me, I'm a Salesforce MVP, 18 times certified as of right now. And I've spent a lot of time in development, probably over like eight or nine years, if you kind of don't count the Salesforce years of me learning it, but about seven to eight years in the Salesforce ecosystem at various different opportunities. And I'm really excited to be on and talk about everything that I know around development. So I'm super excited and we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. So if it ends up being a little overwhelming or you want to learn more, definitely check out cloudcodeacademy.com forward slash everyone where you can get more details about the free resources and learn about the program overall. 
Well, it's a privilege to have you on the show. Obviously, it's exciting to have a Salesforce developer and I think far beyond a Salesforce developer on the show. Obviously, your credentials speak for themselves. So it's great to have, you know, really somebody technical because we have mainly, you know, people who have broken into Salesforce careers and how they went about doing that, how it's changed their lives, how to break into entry level declarative jobs like admins and business analysts and junior consultants and things like that has been a major focus of the show. But obviously, we know when people are thinking about careers, oftentimes they're thinking about salaries. And we know Salesforce developers and people going the developer route tend to have the highest salaries in the tech space. And that tends to be true also in the Salesforce ecosystem. So obviously, this is a show, this is a topic that a lot of people are interested in. So I think I'll kick things off and stick to the theme that we've had in the show, which has been mainly entry level. And don't worry, seasoned professionals, we're going to get to a lot of content around why this is meaningful to you if you're already established. But what would you say to people who are looking to break into a Salesforce career, but they specifically want to start out as developers? Is that something you would advise? And what, what should they sort of look out for as they take that journey? Yeah, it's totally possible to break into the Salesforce ecosystem and start as a developer. A lot of people think that you need to go through this kind of long, drawn-out path of, let me become an admin, work for two years, then maybe do a little bit of solutioning and start to, once I've fully mastered that, I can jump into development. And that's really not true because there are so many different roles and opportunities out there in Salesforce. And the developer space is just another one of those. A lot of companies are looking for people that have those developer types of skills so that they can build more custom applications and systems on top of their Salesforce, right? They may already have in-house administrators or people that can do the administrative roles And then they're looking for people to kind of take it to that next level once they've hit that roadblock. So what I try to kind of let everybody know is like development isn't wizardry, right? It takes some time to learn and understand the foundations of it, but you can really jump in. And if that truly interests you, you can start right out the get-go grabbing maybe your PD-1 certification and learning those foundations and getting that developer type of role, which is, in my opinion, it's really fun. I've been doing development for a long time now. There just seems to be so much information out there to become a developer. Like, where do you even start? Wink, wink. (laughs) So from my perspective, there's a bunch of different ways of learning development. I generally recommend people kind of just take a stab at different things and see what they like. For example, maybe watching YouTube videos and going through some of those tutorials or reading different development books that may pique your interest. But me personally, I find those a little bit dry and I'm more of a YouTube fan, but you can get stuck in this thing called tutorial hell, which is where you just go through hundreds and hundreds of tutorials. You feel like you're making not a lot of progress as you're going through because you're just copying and pasting and going through those things. So what I really like to do is have a more hands-on approach, trying to find different ways of working together on maybe personal projects with people that are also interested in development. And this is something that I have run personally in like little groups of people that I've mentored. And what I found that is people really stuck to that because it was something hands-on that they were able to work with. 
And then that kind of led me into the path of building a more structured program called Cloud Code. Some of you may have heard of it, where you can actually go along through a path to learning development, kind of laid out step by step, but you're still getting hands on with the process. And that's the biggest thing. You're getting hands on, you're getting feedback from like a senior developer like me or other instructors, and you're working together collaboratively with other people that are learning. Some may be ahead of you, some may be behind you, but you're all learning together, which is really fun. And it kind of gets you out of that tutorial hell, gives you more of a path forward for your development learning. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, obviously that makes sense to me. It sounds like a process that you follow that. Yes, getting certified, but also getting hands-on and getting some of that ancillary mentorship. Like you mentioned, having an expert sitting in front of you. Reading a textbook is one thing, getting week-to-week feedback, actually having a live setting with accountability, all those kind of things go a long way. Obviously, at Talent Stacker, we, we value a lot of those similar aspects and call it workforce development. So one of the questions I was going to follow up with was you've got people going through this process, and we know in the Salesforce ecosystem that certifications are just like what everyone looks at it, like the certification hamster wheel. I mean, you know, you've got 18 of them, right? But again, over a seven to eight year period. So that actually checks out as opposed to, you know, we see some people getting five or six certifications in five to six months, which doesn't necessarily make as much sense. But all that to say, I went to a dreaming event. I won't say which one because it'll it'll dial into exactly who the speaker was. But there was a speaker there that had a topic on how to become a Salesforce developer. And I was interested, right? Like it honestly piqued my interest. I went to the session and I, I watched it. And at the end of the day, it was a PowerPoint presentation that effectively listed out the seven certifications you should get to land a developer job. And I was just like, this is unreal. Like to me, that was not great advice. Like go get seven certifications, spend $1,400 plus retake test, go spend 200 hours per certification getting trained. So you're going to spend 1,400 hours, $1,400 plus retake. And it seemed like an absurd mountain to climb and a somewhat ineffective mountain to climb in order to become job ready. So I was wondering for all the people out there who I know how this works, so we got to give them what they want. They want to know which certifications they're supposed to get in order to break into a job. So for me, we always do declarative jobs, right? Like admin, business analyst. And so it's always, you got to have admin, get associate if you want to, you know, you don't, you're not going to need it, but you can get it if you want to as a, just sort of a motivation builder. But if you're going to get admin and you want something else, it's probably platform app builder. Or if you want to pivot and do business analyst, you could maybe do that. But it really zones into that one, two, maybe three certifications. And going outside of that is largely unnecessary for an entry-level job. So what would you say about breaking an entry-level? And then we can talk about advancing your skills. Yeah, entry-level is super interesting for development because if your skills speak for themselves, you can get a developer job. I've known so many developers without any Salesforce certifications, but they are really great at their craft, right? Really great at coding. And they understand those foundations, those basics, and they know the best practices that goes into development. Now, as you're trying to break in and looking for a more straightforward path, it's really on platform developer one. You have to get that certification if you're trying to break in without too much other experience or uh, you're not putting your code out there on platforms like GitHub and getting noticed and things like that. So that platform developer one certification is going to be the one that gets your foot in the door for a lot of the different developer jobs. You'll start getting noticed. People will 
hit you up on LinkedIn and start to ask you questions about your development. All that being said, though, even though if you have like PD1 and you're starting to get those messages, you now need to like walk the walk, right? You need to actually be able to write any of the code and show off your skills. And that comes down to like actually getting hands-on with your code and having the experience to talk about any technical topics that may come up or actually like write triggers and do SQL statements. All of those things are very important to actually being a developer. So the one piece on it, like if you're looking for a silver bullet kind of certification, PD1 will get your foot in the door, but you need to have the skills to back it up. Now, I kind of recommend two paths for people as they're learning and probably going down the developer path, right? So one is kind of going that admin route, taking your time and going a little bit through it. So that's getting the admin certification, platform app builder, like you mentioned, you're kind of learning the basics as you go along, you get that declarative side really dialed in, and then you go for the platform developer one certification, you start diving into coding a little bit more. So that's all fine. It will take a lot of time, but it will set you up for success in certain areas. But if you're really interested in development, like you want to be a developer, you want to go down that path, you want to write code and build these like custom lightning web components and these crazy automations, integrations, all of those things, then I kind of recommend going down the path of just getting the platform developer one certification and using different programs, like I mentioned, something like cloud code that can teach you the fundamentals, the best practices, get you hands-on, and also train you for that platform developer one certification. So you kind of are hyper-focused on getting those development and those programming skills, and you can kind of cut through all of the noise of the other certifications and things like that if you want to you know, have that dev type of role. So I want to dig in a little bit. I know you mentioned knowing SQL, how to write basic triggers. What are like the, because I don't know anything about development except words I hear like, okay, yeah, cool. Like what is foundational development? What's the difference between like an entry level developer and a senior level? Like what is the different knowledge skills, I guess, needs in order to get that first job aside from a certification? This is a super interesting question, right? Because everybody wants to become a senior developer or even in the admin space, I'm sure it's like, when am I a senior developer, right? It's like, when am I a senior admin? And you don't really know. Eventually it kind of just gets bestowed on you magically. Like one day you wake up and, all right, I feel like a senior admin. That doesn't really happen, but there is kind of like a knowledge gap. Uh, It's like different humps that you know internally that you pass at certain points. So from a junior developer type of atmosphere or even a learner, right? Like they're kind of synonymous in in certain sense. Like when you're still learning, you're learning the basic structures, the foundations of, okay, what are if statements? How do they work? How do the conditions inside of them? For loops, for instance, how do you loop over? How do you iterate over these things? And some of you, especially the admin listeners, you're like, oh, I've heard of if statements before. Like I've used flows. Like I've heard of for loops or iterators and some of these things. These are all the same structures across the board in a lot of different programming languages. So for junior developers and learners, you have to get that foundation down of just the syntax of development, right? Like what all of these things mean. And then once that is down, you kind of enter in that junior role and you figure out different aspects 
that you need to know. So these are things like triggers, SQL queries to query information from your Salesforce database, your asynchronous Apex. So these are things like scheduled jobs and batch processes. So you can work with lots of data as you're coming through. And then of course, the, the holy grail, right? Integrations. As even a junior developer, you should know about them. But what then kind of brings you into that mid-level and senior level is the best practices and the frameworks that you know to the experience that you've gathered on how to design these things properly. Right? A junior developer may, may just throw anything in to make an integration work. And that's fine for the first pass and the first go around. But as you start to learn more, you think about different structures on how you organize your, let's say, integrations or your triggers. Are you going to use a trigger framework? Do you have logging enabled? What type of Logging process, are you deploying these, your errors to specific objects? When you get an error, do you send out an email? How does your code handle 100 records or 1,000 records or 1 million records, right? These are things that more senior developers can automatically foresee and build around inside of their code. So all the foundation is the same, right? But it's just the more complexity, the deeper you go into the code, but it's hard to say like when you wake up, right? And know if you're a senior dev or senior admin kind of thing. There isn't a Salesforce fairy that like knights you. (laughs) (laughs) They do come by, but we don't see them. (laughs) So as you were talking through that, I realized similar to Anita's point, I know very little about development. And you're saying all these words that I've heard on like team meetings or inside of consulting projects or whatever else, but you know, I know where you're headed, but put me in an org and ask me to uh, tell you best practice on something. It's uh, it's not going to happen. So coming all the way back then, because we were talking about the difference between maybe like a junior and a senior and intermediate, but coming all the way back, it seems like some of your most popular YouTube content is around, you'll do these mock interviews, or I don't know if that's what you call them. That's what we call them. Uh, these mock interviews with developers as if you're interviewing them for a role. And That's really intriguing to me. So I was wondering, what is it as an interviewer that you're looking for to understand this, right? Because I know on the admin side, if we really wanted to deep dive, it might be like a case study project. Like you'd have that first interview might just be to make sure that your LinkedIn and your resume actually match what you're talking about on the phone and that your experience is actually real um, and you're a real person and carry a conversation. And then you might have sort of a general interview where they're going to talk to you about, hey, tell us about you know experiences you've had in the past. Tell us about a struggle that you had that you overcame. Tell us about your biggest strengths and weaknesses and just really getting into you. But it's all verbal, right? And then the third thing that typically happens on the admin route is a case study where they'll give you a sample set of requirements or they'll pretend to be the client. You'll work through it and things like that. So I'm wondering, what are the parallels when you're looking to become a developer? Like, How are you guys analyzing, it seems like a much more, it is a much more technical analysis. How do you find out, does somebody really know SQL or SQL? How do you find out, does somebody really know LWC? Like, can they do it? All these things, like, how do you figure that out in a way that doesn't take, you know, 10 interviews to analyze? Yeah, that's so funny because we do a lot of the same interviewing things that you talked about on the admin side, right? Just checking if you're an actual person, you can hold a conversation. Got to have that one, but hopefully the uh, recruiters are handling that piece. But then the dev side starts to deviate a little bit because we will get very technical on some of our interviews. So normally there is a technical interview and some sort of like coding portion to the interview so that we can 
really see, or at least the ways that I like to do it, really see if somebody can do what they're saying and they're not like reading off of a script or chat GPTing everything, right? You generally have to show some of the code in some way, shape or form to understand if somebody can do the job that you're looking for. So this can manifest in multiple ways. One of the ways that I recommend everybody that's in the developer space do is showing actual personal projects or example projects that you've worked on in an interview. So this is easy to do, especially in the dev world. Like you you may have heard of GitHub and that's where a lot of developers hold their code and show their code off. You can have a GitHub repository. It's what it's called. It's just a location to show your code off and send that to your hiring managers or the more technical person in that role so that they can actually see how you code and go through things. But oftentimes in more technical interviews, they have like live coding portions of it. And that can be very nerve wracking. Like imagine me sitting over your shoulder, watching you like build an object and create a flow and a process builder. And you have to get it right or else you kind of failed the interview. So that's kind of what the coding interviews are kind of like. It's a more dramatic approach, but there are a lot of like live coding interviews on the dev side and you have to get prepared. You have to basically practice those. And that's a lot of things that I tell people in cloud code to do. And we've got specific lessons on it is to practice, practice, practice those live coding portions of those interviews, because it can be very daunting. But once you do it a a few times, you get used to the flow and the similar types of questions and you can get through it. And of course, we have those like tech check questions, like what does SQL statement stand for? What are the different events on triggers that can work? And as you move through, right, especially when you move past that junior level, you can start to articulate even more complex things about those specific development events, right? So you kind of mentioned about like the YouTube videos that I have and the mock interview collection. And it's really a way for me to showcase for a lot of beginner devs what a more technical interview is like. It's going through that flow of like the types of questions you may have. And we're starting to really bolster in some pieces that are around like live coding and what those more technical interviews are. So if you haven't checked out the, you know, it's called the Ultimate Developer Interview Collection. If you haven't checked that out, it's really great resource for you to just kind of understand what interviewers, more technical interviews look like on the development side and get prepared, right? Because it's really about practicing and getting into that rhythm of what interviews are like. Because if you've been through a couple interviews, there's a cadence to it. There is a flow. And dev interviews are just a little bit different. You have to learn the nuances to it, but you start to see the patterns and the same questions getting repeated. So you need to be prepared for it. That sounds like an awesome resource. I think we'll grab that link from you and put that in the show notes. So I want to go back because for normal admin to show our experience, we create apps. It's very easy. Like find something you're passionate about, create an app for it, like gardening or travel or whatnot. You mentioned putting your code into a GitHub repository, but like, is it, are you building something you're passionate about? Or you're just like, there's like, I obviously know nothing about development. Is there like certain things you're like, oh, okay, this is how I code a trigger. Is it just like, I don't know, a little notebook of like how you code little things? Or is there an actual end goal overcompassing project that you're showing that makes sense? Yeah, I find it so interesting. It's like, 
I've been living this stuff for so long, so it's easy for me to you know, know it and pull it out of my brain. But for people who haven't been engrossed in this world, it can seem like magic. And it's like, how do you even start? Like, why is that semicolon in there kind of thing? But going back to the question, it's really on the types of projects that you showcase. They're generally around things that you're passionate about. There are a standard set of ones like, oh, let's build a calculator or let's build a, like a little website from scratch. Those things are fine. But really, those projects that you are passionate about are the ones that you work on probably too late and put too many hours in and you really polish it up because you it's it's your baby. You love it. It's something that you actually use every day. So for me, for example, I'm a big movie fan. And when I was first getting started, I built out like a movie database inside of Salesforce and I had an integration hooked up to IMDb that pulled back ratings. And I had a little LWC that compared different movies and different aspects to it. And what you want to showcase in your repository, of course, is all of those like hot ticket things that you see on job descriptions, right? So lightning web components, integrations, triggers, SQL statements, but make sure it's, it's yours, right? Make sure it's something that you're interested in. And ideally it's something that you can talk to very well. So, right. The movie thing is I'm, I'm going to like super get passionate about it. Somebody brings up movies. Like I want to talk to you about it and, and show you what I've built and how it really helps me out. But movies are not your thing. Just pick something else, maybe like hiking or different cars, right? And there's so many different opportunities that you can utilize coding and Salesforce in general to help like optimize or track or just make your life better in general. But for personal projects and things like that, you do want to hit on the main subjects that are in like job descriptions and stuff like that. And you can utilize somebody like me or some sort of mentor, right? To say like, okay, I really love cat sitting or watching my cats, right? And I have a cat, so that's, I'm looking at him. So that's why I'm thinking about that. So I really love my cat and I want to track maybe my food and just whatever you can kind of think about. Like maybe you have a dispenser that you want to make automated, right? Like that's a crazy idea. But then you go to somebody who's a little more experienced and say like, is this even possible? And I'll say like, yeah, you need to get a few sensors on the cat feeder and you can hook it up to Salesforce using this API, right? Ooh, scary terms for on the development side, right? APIs are, are very simple. They're just how computers talk to each other, right? So there's some sort of API, some way for the, the sensor to communicate with your Salesforce. And then here's a basic framework. Here's a structure. Here's an example of somebody using it because most technical documentation comes with an example. And then you just morph that example into something that you are used to, right? And all of this is not just for developers. Like maybe I'm biased because I am a dev, but I find this super interesting in, in just general, right? Like if you, Anita, if you have something that you're interested in, just like try it out. And if you have quirky ideas, just see if they'll work. And maybe you'll hit a roadblock in Salesforce declarative side. So then you start to like peek into, okay, we've hit this roadblock. Well, what can I do maybe on the dev side? Or I'll ask Lauren or somebody else to see if there's something else I can do in this sphere, because I really don't think knowing code, knowing programming is just for devs. I think anybody can benefit from learning the foundations of it and then taking it and running wherever you need to go with those different things, those skills that you learn. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that for a second. I think it's a good segue. The conversation of individuals like Anita and myself, who were, were solid on the declarative side, but then it might scare us a bit to think about going into development, or that might just be 
our limiting belief in our head where it's like, oh, this is outside of what I can do with a flow or this is outside of what I should do with the flow. And it's just time to have a developer step in on this and build something custom instead of going, what would that next step look like? What could I do? Could I try to build this out in a sandbox and just see if I could get somewhere? Where might I go to get training in order to transition my skills from my admin skills into development skills? Like, how do I bridge that gap? Because for me, I was in a Salesforce career, you know, 40 hour weeks for, I don't know how long, seven, 10 years, right? And it always occurred to me that if I needed development work done, I would hire a developer. And part of that was because I was scared of something I didn't know. And part of it was because I felt like I would spread myself too thin to try to know all the things that are happening and be one source for all the admin work, plus all the flow work, plus all the developer work. Like, can I really know all these things and, and keep up to speed? But all that to say, to your point, there is a lot of room for, you know, employers would have valued me more, clients would have valued me more if I had that hybrid ability to step in and say, oh, I can edit a trigger. I could edit lightning web components. I could restructure a, a SQL query to incorporate some new fields that we had to create that we're going to be using for a query or whatever else. It'd be great to have those skills and feel confident with them. So I've seen some of the, we've actually had talent stacker alumni who landed jobs as say admins or business analysts now go through cloud co-training and sort of hone those development skills. And we've seen them get promotions and uh, hired on to more technical jobs and things like that because of those skills. So in your, your sort of take after having this experience training, I don't know how many people, what are the major benefits to someone who would say maybe they're an administrator today? What are the major benefits to learning code and how do they go about getting started with that transition? Like, what would you recommend to them? Yeah, you, you kind of talked about it. You mentioned it a little bit in terms of what can you do after having these skills, right? After you learn these things and it's really unlocking the door that that's closed on the other side, right? You've got the admin skills, you've opened that declarative door and you've potentially, right? You, you had that limiting belief is like, I can only go so far until I hit the dev door and anything beyond that, there is somebody else that can do that or there's somebody else on the other side. And what I think is kind of interesting is that when you start to learn development pieces, right, that door may just peek a little bit more open and you're able to do more things, understand more of how Salesforce works under the hood. And that really helps you go further. You can take on more challenging projects. You can understand or communicate with different types of like developers and consultants even more confidently, especially if you work on big teams with devs on your team. Right. It's so great when like your PM or your admin understands how SQL queries works or how triggers work, even if you're not writing them, just that understanding just makes you a better candidate and makes you uh, so much more valuable, employable because of that skill set that you have. And you're just like a joy to work with because we can speak the same language. And like from the dev side, we don't have to convert it in our head to regular terminology so that anybody can kind of understand it and we can go deeper, right? It's like talking to C-suite versus talking to another developer, which is really awesome. So from that side, I think learning development can benefit everybody in pretty much any role as you're going through. And we have so many just 
admins that come into cloud code that just want to know how to code, right? They just, they'll get PD1 and we have so many people that have been PD1 certified who came in and just said like, they just want to understand if statements and for loops. And we go way beyond that, right? By the end of it, they're writing lightning web components and integrations and asynchronous APIC, like those more complex things where they just came in and they started out saying like, I just want to understand this specific piece of code. And it's really great when I get those messages that are like, oh, I wrote my first batch class inside of my actual org today. And it really helped solve this problem that I hit a complete roadblock with on the declarative side. And without going through or getting that training, they would have never, or I won't say never, but they would have needed to either go to a separate resource or spend a bunch of time in multiple tutorials and things like that to get that process done. But once you really understand the foundation, like you know how to build things, maybe not how to build a specific thing, but all the different tools at your disposal on the dev side, it then becomes how do you use those to solve whatever business process or complex project that you're working with. So I think it's really important for everybody to learn it, right? Whether you're like a seasoned admin or brand new just coming in, because those skills will take you really far. We've seen how like hot or resilient the developer market is and coming in as an admin and saying like, oh, you also have developer skills or you've learned this amount and you're still looking to push those skills even further just makes you an even better candidate for a lot of different companies because you're kind of two roles in one, maybe you're a little little bit cheaper, right, than getting an actual dev, but you still have those skill sets, you're still growing it, which is really awesome. So can we talk about how hot the dev market is? Like, what are the salaries looking like for entry level and then to, I don't know, God mode, whatever, <laughs> for senior developer? Um, they do vary. I'll say this is like, I, I always have to like range it, right? Because, you know, people live in different places. And if we talk about New York, it's different than Oklahoma, where I'm in right now. But what I will say is that, on average, dev salaries are anywhere from, uh, I'll be conservative, right? Like 60 to 80K to start, right? Entry level, junior level dev, you're able to, to jump in there. And I guess that's a cool, like, let's call it an even 70 in the middle. So that's definitely starting very similar to an admin. But when we start to look at one year of experience, two year, three year, the sky's the limit to the salary, right? Especially if you're looking at those more technical companies, companies that understand the value of having high technical staff and people that uh, really enjoy and love the development aspects of things, you can easily be in the 150, 180 type of range just as an individual contributor, right? As a developer, no management or anything like that. And then once you start talking about maybe being a lead developer or a technical architect, right? You're bringing all of those skills that you've now built up over a few different years. You're bringing all those skills and then moving them into more high level roles of like architecture, understanding the entirety of your platform and making sure it's running successfully. Lead developers is making sure that your code base and all of the standards that you have around your team are looking really well and you understand your product inside and out, right? Those different areas are just, I'll say ballooning in salary. I still get messages pretty much every day on like LinkedIn and different avenues for roles that are going on. So I think from the dev side of things, like the skill set is still very much needed. And there's so many like mix and match types of roles that are out there, like being a hybrid admin and developer is just, it's like people are looking for those because of the types of jobs and projects that you can take on. 
or think about a solution engineer that is a little more technical that can then talk from your business to another person's business. And maybe you can talk about integrations or talk through the more technical pieces of the sale or whatever you're trying to, your product, right? And how it works with the other customer's product. So there's so many different avenues that this can go down just by having those foundational skills and knowing how it works. Really, the sky's the limits, in my opinion. Like I've been doing really well as just an individual contributor developer. Yeah, I'll say for me on that same topic that just ballparking, like I probably had a solid like eight years of call it anywhere from admin to solution architect type experience. And if I were to go work at, say, like a consulting firm, I would expect to be paid, you know, maybe if I obviously I'd have some skills to polish at this point for the technical project based stuff, but in the $150,000 range, right? Like 150, 160 would seem very fair. What do you think would be fair for not sharing your income, but you know, like what's the most you've been offered or you feel like you've seen job requirements for job postings that paid a certain amount or your friends, (laughs) someone you knew, the cat, just anybody, Um, you know, the high side on the declarative route is still an extremely, don't get me wrong, the value is extreme, right? Um, But I, I guess, how does that compare to what you've seen? I mean, are you guys seeing like 200K plus jobs? Is that fathomable on the on the developer route once you get into those extreme value talents? Yeah, I will say for some friends that I know, um, especially in the hot markets, right? So these are like your, your New York's, your California, they can easily balloon into the 200K plus realm. This may mean like you own a specific section of the product suite, whatever, that your company is producing, but they can easily go over that. And I have gotten a few offers that are in that ballpark, right? And there may be different perks and like different benefits that go along with that. But like all in all, definitely able to push past that like 200K mark. I won't say it's super easy, right? You have to build up that experience. And I would say you have to be like really a savant or something like that if you're getting that with one year, two years of experience, but I'm sure it's not unheard of. I don't have any friends like that. I need to probably meet some people, (laughs) right? Like just bring me into your company. I'll work there. But definitely as you're starting to get the three years, four years, five years of experience type of role, like that's when you're pushing more into that high, mid-level, senior-level developer, you've seen a lot of things so that you can work at the most complex companies or work at these huge consulting firms that they're building these crazy implementations of of different code and uh, different programs and projects that they're building out, and they need the talent that is associated with that type of stuff. So I think there is a higher ceiling for developer salaries out there, and then it's not a too bad of a transition to jump into like those technical architect types of roles, which are just even higher, right? Especially as we push into like CTAs and some of those specific roles. Now there's, I would say less companies out there. You're maybe looking at fortune 500 companies, but Salesforce is the most popular CRM in the world, right? Like pretty much everybody is using them. So you have lots of different opportunities to grab those types of roles. So I'm sure some of the audience now is intrigued (laughs) into getting into a developer role. I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more about Code Cloud Academy. And for Talent Stacker, it's kind of like, I mean, there are like classes, but it's not structured. So you can do it as fast, as slow as you can. 
does Cloud Code Academy work the same? Like how fast can someone go from like not knowing anything to like landing their first developer job? This is really fun question that you're asking, especially on the speed piece of it, because you can jump in and do it self-paced from the get-go. Everything is recorded. Everything is available from day one. But we do recommend people follow along because there are live sessions every week for the 12-week cohorts. And we go through it kind of step-by-step building on top of those building blocks at the get-go. Somebody jumping in and trying to go through all the content very quickly, it's totally possible, especially if you have the time to really sink in and absorb the concepts. But as we're moving through those individual weeks, like you get your homework feedback and you get really hands-on with your code and then you're able to make updates as you're going through and your instructors are then talking about specific aspects that they know about for the code in the live sessions. So it really kind of builds on top of each other every week as you're going through it. Now, we recently had a member that went through it the fastest we've ever seen. I think he did it, finished it in about nine, I'm going to say 10 weeks. And there is a capstone project at the end where you are either working on a team or you are working solo to build out an actual application that I've come up with out of the top of my head. But it's like a culmination of all the things that we've talked about over the past 12 weeks. But this individual who kind of blazed through the program, like he did everything right. He had a little bit of development and admin. Well, he had more of an admin background and a little bit of development, but he was able to get through because he was just had the time. He was passionate. He was in between jobs at that specific point. And then by the end of his like 10 weeks, he already had a job, right? He he had his PD-1. He did a a bunch of different interviews, which is awesome. And then he landed a job as a full-time developer, which was really awesome to see, like coming from, you know, not having, uh, you had some developer background, but not having like a path or a structure to kind of follow, follow along and landed that job. It was really, for me, it was great to see because it's like a little bit reassuring. We talk about imposter syndrome. Like I even have it at eight years of experience and tons of code under my belt. I still have imposter syndrome. But seeing him go through the process, it work, all the things that are in my head and the way that we've outlined it and really brought these things to life for everybody in a more structured pace other than, you know, fumbling through all the different resources that are out there. This really showed like you can go through the process, land your job and be a developer at that point, right? He put in a lot of work to reach that goal of his. So it was really exciting to go through that, but you don't have to, right? The overall structure is you come in and we have our live sessions. We go over different topics every week. We also study for the Platform Developer One certification. So there's two live sessions a week that, that it goes for so that you're also you know, getting that foot in the door. But for me, probably the most important piece is getting hands-on, right? Like you're doing the homework assignments, you're getting feedback on it, you're making those updates, and then you're doing that capstone project at the end. All of the dev knowledge that you get will then help you when you're going for your platform developer one certification, because you're not guessing anymore on those questions that they ask you. You know, because you have the experience now to pull from to answer the different questions that are on the exam, which is really exciting. All right. For any of our listeners out there who are interested in going the developer route, where can we send them, Warren? Yeah. 
cloudcodeacademy.com slash everyone. That's going to be the main spot for all of the different free resources that we have. And you can learn about the program a little bit more. And of course, you can also hit me up on LinkedIn or any socials that you find me at. Most of the time, I'm Walters954. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And for any of those out there who want to go normal admin route, (laughs) you can head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. If you are getting value from the Salesforce for Everyone podcast, please just click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. We always appreciate that. And of course, leave us a five-star review if you think we deserve it. And until our next show, bye. bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonca. If you like what we do at this Scrappy Can Do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.